Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I am one of your hosts, Trey Debman. I am joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. Pre-poker edition. Yeah, that's right. I love it when we get to change things up a little bit. It, that's the beauty of the medium of podcasting is that you can kind of schedule it when it, it's not as restrictive in like radio, especially when you're doing it on a subject like cigars that are so evergreen all the time. Right. But speaking of which, we do have sad news tonight, but first I think I think we ought to light up our cigars. All right, let's do it. Well, we are. W- there is a common theme between our, our cigars this evening. I'll let you go first and tell us what you're smoking. Well, tonight I'm smoking the Padron 1964 Anniversary Edition. An excellent cigar. This is a box press. It's a Nicaraguan Puro. It's the Maduro. I always prefer the Maduro and the Padrones, even though too. the Connecticut is a wonderful flavor. Mm-hmm. You know, the lighter one still has that wonderful, rich Padron flavor, but I just like them a little darker. And I often wonder if I was in Cuba, would they be smoking darker or lighter cigars? Or is it like it is here where it just kind of doesn't, kind of depends on your palate. You get a lot of sun grown out of that. So it's a little darker than say your traditional Connecticut based on what I've seen. But I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a whole lot of Maduros coming out of that with the exception of maybe the Bolivar. Um, that's about the only true Maduro I've seen come out of the Cuban. Well, and I will say, as the Padron price tag goes, this one's about 12 bucks. It's about 5 inch by probably 40 And not a bad cigar, not a bad price for that much cigar for an anniversary edition. It's true. It's really not, because that's actually the same price as what I'm smoking tonight. And what are you smoking? You got, the, you got the better cigar. So on tonight's episode of If You're Gonna Only Have One Cigar a Night, Make It Count, I'm smoking the Padron Magnum also known as an A in terms of size. This is uh, basically the same blend as their 1000 series, but this is a nine inch by 50 ring gauge cigar. This is a monster. Uh, I'm not sure whether to smoke it or play cricket with it. Uh, (laughs) I'm smoking, (laughs) and the lighter foibles have returned. Third lighter now, folks. Third lighter. <laughs> um, what can I say about it? It's a Padron. It, the, mine is the natural. Uh, I do prefer the Maduro wrapper as well. Um, we just didn't have them in the humidor tonight, and I saw this, and I haven't smoked this cigar in a while, so I really wanted to give it a shot. So that's a, it's such a wonderful thing to light a Padron. There's just an amount of joy that comes with when you first put fire to tobacco of a Padron, then it just, from the front of it to the end of it, is so good. And one of the things I find that I really like about Padrones, and I don't notice it until I really sit down and think about it, is that for a Nicaraguan Puro, which is normally so spice for and you know, there's quite a bit of spice to be had in a Padron, but there's a sweetness right off the bat. It's just, it's just ever so subtle, um, but it just gives you that, that beautiful first light flavor. I really enjoy everything that they make. They're, yeah, they're, just, they're the gold standard. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you say. You'll never convince me that the Padron is not the gold standard. When I, you hear me say it all the time. Yeah, that's a good cigar, but at that price, I can have a Padron. Why would I have that cigar? And one of the things that... I think bears mentioning is the fact that you don't have to spend $14 for a Padron. I mean, you can get a 3000 for 7 bucks. I mean, a Padron for under $8 is incredible, and you know you're going to enjoy it as much as anything, if not more, in that price range. And so the fact that they're able to get that quality across such a broad range, from the ultra-high-end to the... I wouldn't ever call a Padron a budget stick, but you definitely don't have to pay an arm and a leg to get that quality of construction and that depth of flavor. So the reason that we're both smoking Padrones tonight is in honor of the icon, Jose Padron. He passed away. He was he died early in this morning, which this is a little earlier than what you'll be hearing this. But he died early this morning, surrounded by friends and family in his own bed. Um, he was born... 
1926 in Consolación del Sur in Pinar del Rio, Cuba. Okay. And he was raised on his family's tobacco farm and then later on in life. So Jose's story is amazing. Jose Padron's story is just amazing to me. It shows that when you have the passion that you can make life work. When you're willing to, to put what you love out there, it will work. He moved when his family tobacco crops and tobacco business was taken by the government of Cuba during the Communist Revolution when they took and made the Cuban cigar industry all um, government ran. They fled to the United States. Now, here's a little interesting bit of trivia. If you walk into the humidor, you'll see a padrone called the Little Hammer. Do you know why it's called the Little Hammer? I don't. When he first came here from Cuba, a friend of his gave him a hammer. It was the only tool he had, but gave him a hammer, and he started doing carpentry jobs. Then he created a place where Cuban refugees could go smoke cigars that they were familiar with. He started rolling cigars on his own. Then when he found Nicaraguan tobacco is when his life really changed and when he started actually making Nicaraguan cigars. And I read an article from him one time, and he talked about how the soil in Nicaragua and the soil of Cuba was so similar mm-hmm. and how it raised the same tobacco. Um, after They usually smoked cigars after a meal. Then he introduced the Fumar, which is a longer, more rustic cigar of a pigtail. So just a, built a legendary industry off of it. His family is huge. Um, Jorge Padron has now taken over the business, the day-to-day, more often than not. And Jose wasn't without controversy. He did get a lot of protest at his Miami um, cigar factory when he had it there rather than Nicaragua because he actually went and sat down with Fidel Castro and negotiated a release of some political prisoners and things like that. Is that not a testament to the power of the cigar? I think it has to be. <laughs> I mean, hey, listen, can we talk about this? <laughs> you know, let's let's have a cigar and talk about this. I mean, is that just is that not an amazing thing? You know, we we always talk about this hobby and this pursuit, but you got to think about it. When you actually, there's very few ways you probably could have got that audience. Well, and to think about the stones on a guy who is a you know, essentially a defector from Cuba to go back, you yeah. know, under a different capacity, but to, to not be afraid to step foot on that soil again, that takes an amazing amount of, of courage. Yeah, just really amazing. Just an amazing man his whole life. I, I'm really sad to see him go, but he lived, you know. 91. You're 91 and you get to die quietly at home where you're surrounded by the ones you love. Can any of us really ask for anything more? I really don't think you can. Just, you know, I was having a conversation about and uh, with some, some friends last night about, you know, what do you want out of life and, you know, leave a legacy or this, whatever. And, and one of the, the topics that came up is having a packed house at your funeral because you touched and influenced so many lives throughout your life that, that you'll be remembered. And... I think I, I think he embodies that. You know, by by all accounts, they ran their company with a, a sense of family as much as anybody else did, and you know, it, just having done so much uh, for cigar culture and for his community and in, in the industry, I just I think he's gonna he's he's definitely leaving behind a legacy that we could only hope for. Well, and it's interesting because everywhere you go. You will hear people complain about the price of a Padron. And you will hear people complain about the availability of a Padron, the distribution of Padron. You will never hear a person light a Padron and complain about that cigar. It's true. They may complain about the steps it takes to get to that moment. But from the moment you put fire to tobacco, it delivers. I mean, there's just, there's nothing like it. Every time and with consistency. Yeah, just the most amazingly consistent cigars, especially to be the Nicaraguan Puro, because I do enjoy a lot of the blend cigars. I really enjoy that the different tobaccos of the world can all come together for these different cigars and these different flavors, and you get a little bit of the savory here, and you get a little bit of the dry here, and you get a little bit of the pepper and the spice. I enjoy that, but still, gold standard. Yeah. 
And, uh, I mean, he'll be remembered. He'll be missed. I've been watching on Facebook all day. Everybody that I follow, you know, Jonathan Drew wrote something very loving about him, and um, Nick Perdomo wrote about him, and several people have written about their thoughts on, you know, Jose Padron passing away. So, but this is the cigar cast, and I think we need to be a little more happy now. <laughs> I love how you say that with such somber, though. <laughs> we need to be more happy now. It is time now <laughs> to be more happy. So, Tell me about, I know last night on Facebook, I seen a post Yes, from Casa de Monte Cristo. Talk well, to me about it. Well, yeah, since my podcasting partner was never going to invite me when he was over there, I decided to take it upon myself and venture out to Casa de Monte Cristo there in the Gulch. And I've got to say, that is a great shop. I mean, it's, it's different. And, and typically when you go into a place with an environment like that, you expect to pay a little more. Yeah, the fixtures, the decor, everything's a little bit on the nicer side. It's just, it's just a, a step above what you're used to. And then, you know, you walk in, as you've mentioned before, they have the cash register in the humidor, which, which I do like, uh, just because it, it simplifies the process for me, as opposed to having to walk across the shop and then back across the shop to the register. It just kind of makes it a one-stop shop thing. I do like that. It also means, though, that someone has to follow you in the humidor. And if you're someone like me that likes to browse around for a little bit first, you're gonna, I really don't need your help. I, I appreciate it, but it's, you know, well, what do you normally like to smoke? I've, I, I've probably smoked everything in here. Just give me a second to figure out what I'm in the mood for. Like, don't, like I appreciate it. I know that's your job, and I know you're here to help. But at the same time, I just, I'm, I'm just doing this for me. Well, I enjoy the guy there at the Casa de Monte Cristo. He really impressed me because my wife and I, we came there the first weekend they opened. And then we came back like three months later, and he said, hey, Shane, how are you? And I, I thought, wow, that's an amazing memory. He well, said, that has more to do with you than I, I, I think. You tend to leave an impression when you go places. I do sort of leave an impression. <laughs> but this actually I can only attribute to our dog. And all because he follows Poker Ace, my wife's Twitter handle. Oh, that's funny. So he knew from he knew from Ace that we were Ace's parents coming <laughs> in there. And all and he and I had a great conversation. Um, there's a great series of books out there that he and I both love by Jim Butcher. Jim Butcher is an amazing author. He wrote the Dresden Files, he wrote the Codex Alera. He's written so many great books and me and him and we were in the humidor and he's like, Yeah, I'm about to get a dog. And I think I'm going to name him Mouse. And I said, that's from Jim Butcher, ain't it? And it, it ends an instant kinship. Mm-hmm. So just a great, um, to me, little things like that make all the difference in the world. Well, and the other thing that really blew me away about the place is I was meeting some friends for a, for a business meeting. And so it said, when I first walked in, there weren't really any tables available, but someone was leaving, so I scooped it up real quick. Uh, a lot of their seating... They've got that one big communal table, but if you've got one person sitting there already, it kind of makes it tough to kind of get in there, especially if you've got multiple people, um, without being rude. And then everything else is, for the most part, uh, you know, double-seater, low-top tables um, or couches. But there's a, there's a handful of four-toppers, and I was able to grab one of those. But immediately, the bartender walks over and asks me if I want something to drink. And so I grab a glass of water, but... Yeah, but but what I love about that is I can't tell you any other cigar shop I've ever been in where I can have a glass of water. And the guy was so diligent and attentive. You know, we're not getting mixed drinks. We're not so we're not a customer of his. I've already spent my money in the humidor. I'm not he's not making any money off of me, but he's still treating me the same way he does everybody else in that shop. And that go, that means a lot to me. That goes a long way with me. And he kept, you know, he kept all our glasses, you know, full all night long. Well, and I don't think people realize. So, the man who works for nothing, will who works for nothing, who doesn't get paid for every little thing he does, will always turn out better than the man that tries to get nickel and dime for everything he does. Right. Well, that's always been my thing about, you know, the difference between the sales team and the customer service team at any company. Any company. I don't care who you are. Everyone always pays their sales team so, so well because that's who's that's a revenue center. And so you want to reward those who keep the lights on. And I get that. 
But the people who, your customer service team is who keeps the doors open. It's who keeps your customers around. You know, the best sales guy in the world can't do anything if he's got no support on the back end. And most of the time, your customer service people are not bonused or, or paid on commission. It's all straight salary. So they do end up doing going the extra mile and doing the extra things for, for no monetary benefit for that act. And I think there's something very, very powerful about that. Well, and there's a personality that lends itself to customer service the same as there's a personality that lends itself to sales. And you have to work hard to develop those attributes. And I do agree. I think it's one of the inequalities in our society that customer service doesn't ever seem to get the the amount of respect, the amount of accomplishment as what Salesforce does. Mm-hmm. But And keep in mind, as a salesman, you come in on a dry sale, you're just or a cold call. Pardon me, I'll use the, the, the parlance. If you come in on a cold call, they don't necessarily dislike you and they don't necessarily have a problem you're just coming into it most of the time at customer service you start from the position of behind the eight ball yeah they got a problem when they call you or else they wouldn't call you right i mean i i used to work front desk at a hotel and you know most of the people you you deal with people for a couple of minutes checking in and out but most of the time you spend your day fixing problems and you get people who are angry or upset or somewhere on that scale and it becomes your job to de-escalate a situation and there's real skill in that and I think it, I really wish more companies would understand how valuable that is you see turnover in customer service so so much and it's usually because people feel underappreciated yeah people don't quit jobs people quit bosses right I mean, that's just the way it works. And it could be a direct supervisor or it could be the culture that, you know, it could be the CEO creating a culture that trickles it down. Yeah, you have you have to build that in. It's a living entity. But coming back to good cigars. Hmm. So I seen, did you get the Jaime Garcia Super Toro or did you get the, or Super Gordo or did you get the Toro? The Toro. And, and I was so excited about that because that is my favorite size and shape of that cigar and you can't find it anywhere everyone has the bellicoso and the robusto you can find those all day long the toro is just the best size for that cigar and so when i saw that they had that in the humidor and at the price it was i couldn't resist and then i also had the uh romeo nicaragua 505 always a great cigar Absolutely a wonderful cigar every time you pull it up. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it's made by Altadis, so it's actually their company makes that particular cigar. And I was really uh, kind of surprised to see that the price on that wasn't necessarily any better uh, than, than their prices on other things. You know, their prices on everything are really, really good. And I, I, part of me expected it to be a little bit better margin on on the Altidus stuff but it really it was about the same so we teased it last week and we never got around to talking about the TV shows so it's it's interesting that Netflix and chill has pr- actually become a part of our culture <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not good at it I'll be first one to say I'm not good at just sitting and watching episode after episode after episode of a show. I've got to vary it up. I don't. I, I have think a... you misunderstand what the chill part of that is. Oh, if I, is there is there a, a substance associated with chill in that? No, not a substance. More of an activity. It's not something that one does alone. Oh, okay. That may be my problem. Yeah, there you go. But <laughs> <laughs> well, but like. The last show that I power watched, let's use the term power watch, because that's what I would I would more liken it to. Last show I power watched was Game of Thrones. Okay. We got HBO now. We started from episode one, season one, and we power watched all the way to the current shows. Can't wait for the next season to come out. Not a miss in that show. Love that show. But it, So the latest one was Godless just come out on Netflix, and it's a Western. Okay. Everybody I've watched, I've talked to said, oh, I loved it. I loved it. I couldn't put it down. I couldn't quit watching it. I started watching it. It's directed in the style I hate. Why have they started directing series where they put, you come in in the middle, and then they flash back 
for the majority of the series trying to give you a backstory. And then the end is usually anticlimactic because you're still processing the backstory. Right. Why can we not start at the beginning, go to the middle, and work our way to the end? I think that has a lot to do with uh, so many shows. That, so we are in a golden age of television. There's so many options and there's so many avenues and outlets that just to get a TV show picked up these days is a miracle. So I wonder if maybe, because you never know if you're going to get picked up for a second season, you never know if what size order you're going to get for the next series, if it's going to be 12 or 20 episodes or whatever it is, that they have to try and bottle every episode to stand alone to a certain extent so that if they don't get picked up, they, they haven't spent a whole season on the lead-up to what they're trying to do, and then they never get picked up and there's no payoff. I, I would suppose, but even the Netflix Marvel stuff, the Luke Cage, the Jessica Jones, all of that stuff, is like it was just eternally flashbacking. And furthermore, if I don't like the series you like, it's not an indictment of your personality. I find that so funny because I feel like that's a re- relatively modern thing. I don't feel like it used to be, oh, you don't like Friends? How dare you? Or Seinfeld or whatever. I didn't feel like there was that personal attachment. But it seems like now, maybe it's because we consume TV on our schedule, so it becomes, we feel more personal about it. But yeah, if, if someone tells me they don't like something, I, like, it doesn't bother me, but there's so many people, I can't get into that. What do you mean? Like, it, oh, it, yeah. It's as if I slapped their mother. Yeah, one of my best friends. I said, I said, yeah, I, I quit Godless four episodes in. How did you quit four? Ep- it was just not interesting to me. It's it's like the guy that walks up to you and says, "Hey, I got a question for you," and you say, "Okay," and he spends fifteen minutes giving you the backstory before he asks the question. <laughs> so, everyone out there, this is the process when you have a question, and especially this this is how I tie this back to the cigar business. I told that story so I could tell this one. The When someone walks up to me and says, hey, what would you recommend? And uh, when we're in the humidor together or we're in there together, what would you recommend? I don't tell them the backstory of from the first cigar I smoked to the one I'm picking out tonight. I answer their question. And if there's more information needed, to me as the answerer, I will request more information. Okay, how do you like your coffee? Okay, how do you drink booze? Okay, what's your... You know, what are you in the mood for tonight? What kind of day have you had? What are you going to do while you smoke this cigar? These are all questions I can ask. But I hate when somebody walks up to me. Hey, I had a rough day. Dog got ran over. Wife left me. Um, feel like I'm living in a country song. I've got $5 left in my name. What should I smoke? <laughs> the end of a 357 Magnum. <laughs> for crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, it just absolutely blows my mind. Hey, come in and just say, hey, what do you want to smoke? <laughs> you know, what do you think I should smoke? Which way do you think I should go with this? And then we'll go, we'll work from there. We'll work from the qu- the answer backward. Show me the baby. I don't need the labor. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> but I don't understand why it's that way. I don't understand what about life. Our life has become that way. But it's tremendously fascinating to me. Human nature is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. And uh, so I guess we need to step away and take a little break. Yeah, it is about that time. It's flying by tonight as usual. But we're going to take a few minutes and we'll be right back with more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. One of your hosts, Shane Reeves, sitting here with the man who would like you all to remember this holiday season, accordions, not just for kindling anymore. <laughs> Trey Dedman. Welcome, welcome back, everybody. And I'll, I had to get my weekly accordion shot in there. And I'll, it's just, it's a terrible crime against nature musical instrument. I found one on Craigslist recently that I'm waiting to pull the trigger on. I'm really excited now that you mention it. How much is it? I'll buy it so I can pull the trigger on it. I'll, I'll leave to the that, magazine. I meant that figuratively. I'll make the world a better place, one accordion at a time. <laughs> so, coming back, we've been smoking our Padrones. I feel like we're having an upper crust show this week. So, before we get into it, 
I have a burning question, and I need your advice on this. My holiday Christmas party is coming up. Um, so I don't think I've mentioned it up on the show, but for the last month or so, I've been watching every Bond film from start to I've been jumping around, but I'm a huge Bond nerd. And it's just going back and rewatching them all because they're all on Amazon Prime. It's, it's wonderful. I was watching Inner Majesty's Secret Service the other day, and that's the one with George Lazenby, and, and he goes to the clinic. And the first night he's there, it's kind of a formal dinner. And because he's acting as someone else, he's, he, he dresses for dinner in full tuxedo with a kilt. Right. It just so happens that the kilt that I have is the same tartan that he wears in the film. It's black watch tartan. I don't get an opportunity to dress up very often. I love wearing a three-piece suit, a tie, bow tie. I really love dressing up. I've not had the opportunity to dress in my kilt before. And I'm really, really considering wearing my kilt with a vest, a bow tie, and a dinner jacket to my holiday Christmas party. Quick, talk me out of it. Bad move. Yeah? Here's why this is a bad move. Then the attention turns to you, and the bosses immediately lose the attention. The people stroking the check for the hors d'oeuvres, for the shrimp, for the drinks, for all of these things, have already lost the attention. So you... I think I think there's a time and place for the kilt. I think the company golf outing is the time and place for the kilt. But the company holiday party, I just don't think you can make it work. I think it's going to be too distracting for everyone else involved in the party. Even with the full tuxedo jacket, the bow tie, the... the you know. Especially with the full oh. tuxedo, the bow tie. Go, go classic, go straight black. You know, really make a good showing of yourself. Perhaps a decorative handkerchief. <laughs> But leave the kilt at home. I All mean, right. that's that's really and and always fun is see if you can get one of those magician's handkerchiefs where you pull it out and it keeps coming. I have one of those. That's a that's a great gag. That's All always right. just the flowers up my sleeve. Now, is this a a single event or is this a plus one? For this you? is a single event. It's employees only. It is employees yeah. only, which I can understand. If I if I happen to have a holiday party, I think that's the direction I would want to go with it. We did plus ones last year for the first time, and it just, it, I mean, first of all, it doubles the expense of the evening, but it also it increases the complexity probably about fourfold, just because everyone's that you're trying to take care, you know everybody, but you're, so you're having to introduce, and it just, it becomes, so I'm, I'm glad it's just a single event. Would have liked for it to be a plus one event, just because I don't get out to do things like that very often. It's, it's fun to share the experience, but... I, th- I think it'll be a nice, you know, stress-free evening. You know, that brings me back to a time in my youth. We used to have, down in Wayne County, family dances on Saturday night. Now, have you ever been to the family dance? No. So what you do is you get you a Legion Hall, you get you a band that's not playing at a local Mexican restaurant that night, and my grandparents would always pick me up about five, and we would actually go country-western dancing. This was before the days of line dancing, ruining life. <laughs> um, and we would actually go dance the night away. We'd dance till nine or ten a night, and it was a family thing. There was no booze. There was no alcohol involved. Um, everybody just went and danced and had a good time, and I don't think that exists in our society anymore. It's true. I was When I was in college, uh, I was waiting tables and had this great table of regulars that would come in quite a bit. And it was an older couple that was not only part of a senior community, but very involved in their little senior group, the big group. And they would do that. And they would have dances, I think, once a month, where it was the same kind of, you know, the punch with the little circular piece of ice floating in it that tastes terrible, and the little, like, flavorless cookies. You know, they did it it right. And... uh, I did go to that one time with, um, and just got to experience. So I was the youngest person there by 60 years. Oh, yeah, and also the tallest. Right. <laughs> but it was so much fun. You know, I think there's a place for that because you're talking about not having somewhere to go. It would be nice to have, to be able to go to a dance, something not involving a drum machine, something not involving drinking, Something where just people could go, because I learned a lot about being a gentleman while yeah. there. 
Well, see, when I was a when I was a kid, I, I did a little bit of competition ballroom dancing, and I really enjoyed that. And it's just something about being able to waltz and foxtrot and cha cha do these do the dances you see in the movies. There's something it's so much fun, and I just don't get the opportunity to do it anymore. So it would be fun to be able to pull those skills back out. Well, and it's interesting because as we talk about that, that do, that did contribute to my upbringing and why I value being a gentleman so much. Mm-hmm. Why it was always important to me to be a gentleman regardless of who I was dancing for, whether she was, you know, my age at that time, 10 or 12, or whether she was 16 or whether she was 65. It really didn't matter. There's a gentlemanly way you dance. Right. There absolutely is. One of the other gentlemanly things is let's talk for a minute about tipping in the cigar shop. Okay. And I'll, I know I try to get bent back into shape for me stretching for that one. <laughs> but The master of the segue. <laughs> yeah. So tipping in the cigar shop. What is, is, the, is it a percentage of the cigar? Is it a set amount? Is it depending on the amount of service? Is it... What do you consider the defining characteristics of how you tip in the cigar shop? So I actually had a friend ask me this very question a few weeks ago. And it's, it really depends, for me, it really depends on the shop. So if it's, if it's the type of shop where there's really nothing offered but cigars and maybe a drink machine, like a little cabinet, I, I don't think you're under any obligation to tip. Uh, I, now the the exception to that is if you walk in and you tie up the guy for you know five ten minutes because you really don't know what you're looking for look at or maybe you know or maybe someone's helping you you don't smoke but you're getting a gift for someone who does so you're really I think a couple of bucks is is appropriate it's certainly not mandatory or even expected um, but if it's the kind of thing that you feel obligate or feel so inclined to do then I think that's perfectly acceptable well I think see. It's interesting because cigar employees rarely, they don't get a percentage like waiters do. Mm. You know, everybody says, okay, you go, if the service was excellent, you tip 20%. If the service was mediocre, you tip 10, 5. You know, you, there's a percentage of the total bill there that makes it easy. You can't really do that with cigars. And all the time, I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody come in here, hey, headed to a bachelor party, headed to a wedding, headed to a funeral. I need a box of cigars for this event. Who's bringing a box of cigars to a funeral? <laughs> Well, my family. <laughs> but anyway, the, this is this is what you hear. And rest in peace. <laughs> so the uh, it's a wake and a cremation. That's right. But they're here to get a box of cigars, and they go in there, and they're re- they're ready to drop two hundred, two hundred fifty bucks. But they the sticker shock on a two hundred fifty dollar box of cigars gets them so that the poor person behind the counter gets nothing for the 15 minutes they spent explaining to this person, this is a little better cigar. This is yeah. a little worse. So if you are just picking up that gift or sending someone to pick up, hey, honey, run to the cigar shop, grab a box of cigars. Don't forget to throw a five at the guy, throw a 10, you know, be appropriate. Yeah, and I, I think it's, you know, and I, if, if the shop is a little bit different, if it's someplace like Crown here or like Casa where there's a bar and there's a bartender and there's they're doing something for you, then I think it's appropriate. You know, my my standard is always a dollar a drink, you know, or or about you know seventy five cents a drink. You know, if you're having multiple, it kind of works out to that. But so I mean, if it's something where you're hanging out and they're doing work for you, keeping the ashtrays clean, like all the guy last night, all we sat at the table for a couple of hours and he kept. He kept my water refilled. I tipped, tipped him like three bucks when we left, just for keeping my water filled, just because because it was it was the level of service that I was, you know. So I think something like that's appropriate. I generally, you know, here on poker night, I always remind all the guys. It's one I feel that it's my duty as commissioner. Hey, fellas, so and so worked behind the bar tonight. They've been running drinks over here. They've been, you know, talking it up. They've been watching. They keep an eye on us. Um, you That's know. definitely worth a couple of bucks. Yeah, you know, if if you if you're playing poker and you're into your hand and you drop some ash on the floor or something like that, I always remind the guys, hey, put a little extra in the in the old tip jar tonight. We need to be sure that our people get took care of. But I think cigar cigar shop employees tend not to get the tips that they deserve. Right, and and like I said, I think it has to do so much. 
with the fact that, you know, in a typical lounge situation, you know, if, if you're just sitting around, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's necessary. If you're just buying a cigar or two cigars and then going and keeping yourself, I don't think that's. But if they're running drinks, if they're if they're doing something for you, I think, and it's and it's definitely it's not a percentage. You know, if you have a cigar and three beers or or whatever it is, you know, then maybe it, maybe close to a percentage at that point. If if that's making up the line share of your tab, but I mean, just kind of. But some, it always goes a long way. Most cigar shop employees are not going to be expecting anything. So anything that you do to show them that they're appreciated goes a very, very long way. Now I'm going to reverse it. I, I would contest to you the cigar is the ultimate tip to give to someone else. I can't tell you, you know. I disagree. Oh, man. Okay. Here's my scenario. Let Well... Okay, I'll, I'll let you go first. There's been two scenarios in which a cigar tip has gotten me an untold amount of um, gratitude from the person tipping. Okay. Guy, he cuts lumber, cuts trees up around our area. I needed a splitting block. I needed a block of wood, a large stump, with which to split my lumber on or my firewood on in the back when I'm making kindling stuff like that. Yeah. I Facebooked him, hey, need a need a block to do that. Do you have anything around? How much would you charge? He said, hey, I got a bunch of scraps. Come over here and get them. Um, get whatever you want. Be glad for you to have it. So I went over to his house and I handed him a cigar. I said, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for this. And you can usually tell someone, especially a blue collar worker, has, you know, can enjoy yeah. a good cigar. And it was a wonderful scenario for him. He loved it. He was so appreciative. He messaged me later, hey, you didn't have to do that. It was stuff I was going to try to get rid of anyway. But a great amount of, of acknowledgement came from him. And, and I think that's one of those scenarios. I think it's... I think, it, I think that's one of those scenarios where it does make sense. Uh, a valet, I think, I think that could... I mean, they're working for tips, so you wouldn't want to necessarily get in the way of their ability to eat later on that night. But I think someone like that, uh, a card dealer, so, you know, something like... But definitely not for someone who works in a cigar shop. Oh, no. Because, no. because they're surrounded by them. They can smoke whatever they want. Well, but now if I bring a some... A caddy? Yeah. Great tip for a caddy. Great tip for a caddy. Yeah, outstanding caddy tip. And I'll, another scenario, when I had framers working for me, building houses, it's Friday afternoon. If you don't know, business stops at noon on Friday on the construction industry. I think that's every industry. Yeah, well, we get to go home. <laughs> being the difference. Oh, okay. But noon, Friday, I show up with a box of cigars. Not expensive cigars, just good cigars. And go out to all the framers and shake each one of their hand and hand them a cigar. Hey, I appreciate how hard you worked for me this week. I appreciate all that you've done for me. It's been hot. It's been sweaty. I hope you enjoy this relaxing with a cold drink this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And all. So it's a great gift in that realm. So you're, you're saying a, a tip outside of a scenario where actually tipping would be appropriate. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think it, that's it, probably the best way to put it. it. In that case, I, I do agree with you. And Th- throwing a cigar at somebody as as a token of appreciation is is always a good move. Yeah, they just and they you know unless they, they you know have lung cancer history in their family. Well, that might be a little crass. At I, I'm not going to sit and take their medical history if they don't like the cigar. <laughs> they can take it home and give it to one of their kids. I'm just saying, if you happen to have that information. <laughs> but you know, we're full of bad examples tonight, aren't we? <laughs> we're not making the world a better place tonight, Trey. I'm just telling you. <laughs> But I think it's a great thing, and I think you can get a lot of mileage out of a cigar tip because the next week when I needed something changed or the inspector did something stupid and I had to have the framer fix that, he thinks back, you know, he really appreciates me. He really acknowledges, just like we're talking about with customer service, Mm -hmm. he really acknowledges, even if it's the guy that's just toting two-by-fours. He acknowledged me. Oh, I, I, let's not send him a bill for that, fellas. He sends us plenty of work. Right, exactly. I think it can go a long ways toward that. It's a great gratitude. It's um, you know, kind of like a nice bottle of whiskey or something like that. But the good thing, I don't like to give a bottle of whiskey unless I know for the fact that the person appreciates that sort of thing, that that's his drink. Because that's a very polarizing drink. 
Yeah, yeah. Good, and good whiskey can get wasted very easily, which mm-hmm. is a terrible thing. Yeah, mixing it with Coke. Yeah, putting ice in it. The, the recipe has enough water. Don't add any water to the recipe. Jack Daniels knew what he was doing. It's also a great icebreaker. You know, back when I was in sales, oftentimes I'd walk into a place and you'd see someone would have either, you know, like a cigar box on their desk, whether it was for decoration or because they enjoyed cigars. Or I remember one particular case, I walked into an auto shop that I was, when I was selling advertising, and the guy had a cigar sitting on the desk. And it was a it was a cheap cigar. It wasn't anything uh, of note, but I happened to have a bunch of cigars in my car because I always do. And so he was on the phone when I walked in. I said, "Hang on a second. And I ran back out to my car, grabbed a cigar, and when I made my introduction, I handed it to him. Hey, my printer, my printer at the office, the printer that I run. It's a Kip 3100. It's a large format laser printer. It is a very high end piece of equipment." This necessary to my work. The guy that always brought me supplies, he lived down in my neck of the woods. And he knew that if I called and said, hey, I need five rolls of paper, if he dropped them by my office himself that afternoon, he was going to get a good cigar. <laughs> Save me $14 in shipping every time I needed paper. Right. <laughs> so it's funny how stuff like that, I didn't do it for that reason. I did it because I liked the guy because he's a good dude. And it was something fun to share. Right, absolutely. But so let's talk also now about the high end gift. Okay. You know, last week we seen the guy that had the cigar bar backpack, and we were both enamored with it and right. really watching that. So, you know, rescues your kid from a well, and you're getting ready to spend over, you know, a couple hundred bucks on a gift, or perhaps. Um, you know, a builder friend of mine that sends me $30,000 a year in house plants. Yeah. And all the high-end gift. What do you get? Well, I think you really can't go wrong with a... Um, they make these golf divot tools that have a little cigar yeah. holder on them. Yeah, that I've now mentioned on two shows in a row. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> Couldn't let that go by, Mr. Fantasy Football Loser. But anyway... <laughs> I just got the bird on the cigar cast. <laughs> a first. A probably first. not a last. Yeah, definitely not the last. Uh, you know, it's funny. We talk about gifts, usually with a budget in mind. So we don't really talk about the high-end stuff very often. But there's, there's definitely a lot that can be done. Um, DuPont. I mean, if you really want to... Sh- now, everyone talks about the line to the multi-thousand dollar special limited editions. But they make some great lighters in the... Two to three hundred dollar range. That if that's the kind of thing, if you really want to spend some change, Dupont is something that everyone knows. Right. And when you flick it open, you hear that ping. Everyone around you knows, and it's it's a great you know status symbol, but it's also a very finely engineered, just well made piece of equipment. Hold on a second. I may have to stop this conversation and yell at somebody in the cigar shop with us. This young man has no volume control on his voice. <laughs> he speaks every day like he's talking, like he's a French prostitute. <laughs> I'm about to have to stop the show and it's like yell. He's on the at deck someone. of an oil rig in a hurricane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you would think he flies the drive time chopper as loud as he speaks. I may have to stop the show and yell at him here and hey, don't make me turn this thing around. <laughs> That's right. But coming back to it, so I have the ultimate four nineteen ninety nine. The all-copper five-gallon moonshine still at home. Well, look at that. Look at all. It's beautiful, isn't it? I'm showing really a picture. This is good pod. Yeah, it is. No, <laughs> you know, I've looked at those before. Uh, when You know, I'm a huge fan of the TV show MASH. So yes. when I moved in with my roommate in college, we both had the idea of building a still like the one in the swamp. We never did it. Uh, but we were. But I, I've always liked the idea of having a still in the house. It's just such a cool. It's a great looking piece, even if you don't use it, because technically speaking, it's still illegal in this country, uh, even if you're not selling it. And so, it, but it's just a yeah. It's a that's a great gift. I think that that's kind of for me the king of because it would look cool setting anywhere. You leave that anywhere setting. Now you may you know when you had the pasture over, you may get a look or something like that, but. Other than that, I think that's just one of those great, super high-end gifts. Yeah, absolutely. So you say the ST DuPont, I say the five-gallon moonshine still. 
But it's a great opportunity if, if, for a humidor as well. I mean, they make you can get a, a nice desktop humidor for $30, $40, bucks, but you can also spend a couple hundred dollars and get some really nice stuff in that range. And that's a gift that makes an impression as well. Well, the beautiful thing about the humidor as a gift is you don't necessarily have to give it to a cigar smoker. Mm-hmm. The humidor can be used for so many things. Um, you know, people use them to put jewelry in. People use them for all all manner of storage, of keepsakes, of, you know, knives, of anything like that that's really precious. They can use them, use a humidor to store that. Right. Hard to go wrong if you are if you think they might be in cigars, but you don't know for 100% and you're looking for that gift. Hard to beat the humidor. Yeah, it's true. And you can you can pick up a super nice one for two hundred bucks, and all. And now, don't if you're going to do that, don't get the logo humidor. Don't get the Rocky Patel symbol on the top or the Habano symbol on the top. Go for the humidor that that just is a nice looking wood box. I'm looking at the selection over here at Crown, and I right. see several that that don't necessarily have the logo. You know, one year. One of our lumber companies got us all jackets, and I swear I felt like I was in NASCAR. Yeah. Henley <laughs> Supply, and it's got watered windows down the side. And I, I just felt like I should jump in a car and drive around doing nothing for a couple of hours. <laughs> so avoid the logo if you are going to give the humidors well, a gift. And what's great about the humidor, too, is that you can... It, they, there are so many versions and options out there depending on someone's taste. You know, the, some more dark mahogany sort of very masculine kind of looking and then you've got the um, the stuff that is more decorative painted uh, there's one sitting over here on the um, counter at, at crown that I really love it's got kind of a nautical theme it's got the the cedar planks with the canvas and the the brass fixtures and stuff like that. It, it's very it's something that really appeals to me uh, so you can really you can really dig into someone's personality that way as well by the way, remind me in a future episode, I'd like to address 70s music and why they had a nautical theme. And you know, why it was Come Sail Away or The Wreck of the Edmunds Fitzgerald or why there were so many nautical songs in the 70s when nobody was sailing around. <laughs> we'll, we'll address sailing. that. <laughs> yeah. We're going addre- to address that in a future episode. But for tonight, we have to go from the expensive to the, the less expensive to the cigar under eight dollars. All right. Now I know I've probably hit this one before, but it bears repeating: the Charter Oak Maduro Lonsdale cigar. Charter Oak Foundation cigars, historically a very, um, a very full-bodied cigar company. I find the Charter to be medium full. I would I would put it on the full. Thank you. Put it. I, and and the reason for that is that it it it's got some rough edges to it. So whereas. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely not the smoothest cigar that you're going to smoke, and I think that extra little um, kind of, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, abrasiveness kicks it up into that full because it, it definitely requires someone with a little bit of ex- cigar experience under their belt to be able to handle it without just feeling like you're tasting something burnt. I think you kind of have to know what you're getting into and be used to some of those those flavors. So I would put it squarely in the full-body category. Well, the wrapper is a Connecticut Broadleaf, even though this is a Maduro cigar. It's still a Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper. The binder is Nicaraguan Habano. The filler is Nicaraguan for Jalapa and Esteli. So the recipe is good. Right. You know, the recipe is right there. You kind of, you know that that cigar is going to perform. $5.12 MSRP. Um, realistically, you're probably going to spend six and a half, seven bucks on this cigar anywhere you go. Right. If you can get them. That's the thing. As soon as they get into shops, man, they fly. If you see them, grab two because, trust me, they won't be there tomorrow. It's true. And I, I've seen them as low as about five and a half. I've seen them as much as about six and a half. So it's, uh, or, or six seventy-five, depending on the size. So it's squarely under that $8 benchmark, which we've been flirting with for the last couple of weeks. So it's a nice change of pace. Well, it is, and it's an excellent cigar, and it don't matter. You can have this cigar, and if you're going to tip you know, somebody who is a cigar smoker with it, not necessarily the one you bring out you know, for someone who just smokes one occasionally. Yeah. Who just ever so often will enjoy one. For that, you know, get them something, something in a tube. 
um, my recommendation, if you are going to get a cigar for somebody that says, oh, yeah, I smoke a cigar, you know, ever so often, a couple a year, something like that, get them a tubo because it's sealed. They don't have to have a humidor to keep it in. It's going to stay relatively fresh. A little bit longer than cellophane, but not, I mean, not forever. Well, no, not indefinitely. They're not going to put it in their glove compartment and a year later light it up. Exactly. Although I have known people that have done that. But the other thing is nice is that it looks nice. Because it presents really well, and it also, you know, just if they're if they're not the kind of person that has a travel humidor or even a, a real good dedicated place to store it, it, it adds a, a level of protection to the integrity of the cigar as well. Well, also you throw it in your golf bag if you're going to play around the golf. You can throw it in your golf bag. Don't have to worry about it getting dented up. You know, have you ever smoked a cigar with dimples? <laughs> it happens. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so. The, the tubo is a good, that's that's another little gift-giving tip that yeah. tied in with the cigar under $8. But and it pairs well with that divot tool that you like so much. That, that, I, that I seem obsessed with mentioning. You can put it in your cigar holder <laughs> and, all, and all. My apologies to everyone out there listening for my obsession with that particular thing. <laughs> I'll probably mention it again before Christmas is totally over. Right. And all it may be a New Year's gift. <laughs> you know, things like that. But... Well, been a good show tonight. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed just relaxing again. We're going to miss Jose Padron. He was so good. He was an icon in the industry. Makes my favorite cigars. What more can you ask of a man to be remembered? That's exactly right. And and the legacy that he'll live on, leave, leave, that he has left behind um, is one that that is, is, par- is probably one of the best in the industry. Um, so that... Yeah. That does bring us to the end of this week's show. I want to remind everybody that uh, we love hearing from you. Drop us a line, info at thecigarcast.com via email. Uh, you can reach us, facebook.com slash thecigarcast. And, of course, we're on Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. Well, everyone have a good week. Smoke a good cigar and think well of us.